Are you a teacher and a pervert? Are you frustrated that you can't preach transgenderism to five-year-olds? Well, have no fear. Just move on up to New York City and peddle all the creepy sex stuff you like. And we're partnering with, with WPPP uh, to put up billboards in major markets across Florida to let everyone know. We're targeting Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, and West Palm Beach. Uh, we believe we're going to get about 5 million impressions, and they're going to be up for an eight-week period, period celebrating the diversity and acceptance of New York City. Uh, we will show this in the billboards, and the billboards uh, you have here right now. Very clear statement, and we're proud of it. Other folks want people to hide their color. We like to show our color, and that's the rainbow that's representative of this community. That's our color, says the mayor of New York, now paying for billboards in Florida to, to lure people up who are opposed to the parental rights and education bill. He says, come on up to Florida. Come on up to New York, rather. Leave Florida. Take that, DeSantis. You want to ban teachers from talking about sex with first graders? Well, New York is going to swoop in and take those perverts out of your state. How do you like that? Oh, you do like that. You like that very much. Well, that's a win-win, I guess, except for New Yorkers whose taxpayer dollars are now being spent trying to lure child predators to their state. We're not talking about gay. This is not about don't say gay. We're not talking about your average gay guys, people who want to keep their sex lives to themselves, especially when they're around kids. No, we're talking about perverts who insist on talking about genitals with kindergartners. Florida voted to protect kids. New York voted for people who want to protect predators. And now New Yorkers are going to have to deal even more acutely with the consequences of democracy, the system of government predicated on the idea that the common people know what they want and deserve to get it good and hard. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Eric Weininger, who says, I was hoping that as Thursday's top commenter, I'd get prime seating rights at your Washburn speech. I showed up an hour early and had no chance of getting in due to the great turnout. Come back soon. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. The speech was a, a lot of fun at Washburn. The only regret I have is that we only got a room that fit it was 300 and then we stretched it and made it about 350. We turned away 200 people. Uh, we're going to get bigger rooms from now on. So very sorry. We've got some other speeches coming up. I'm going to be at Grove City College coming up this week on Thursday. Then Senator Cruz and I are going to Yale and we're going to Alabama. That'll be a lot of fun. We've got some more schools after that. So be sure to uh, sign up for those. You can do that at Young America's Foundation, YAF.org. And you, you know, you're, you're going to want to uh, get your energy up because sometimes, you know, you get there early, you wait in line, you want to make sure that you got your blood flowing, you're nice and full. When you want to get your energy up, I strongly recommend you have a nice big meal of Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. The price of beef is skyrocketing. It's only going to get worse over the summer. Right now, you can lock in your price for beef with Good Ranchers. Once you subscribe, your price never goes up, making Good Ranchers the best way to inflation-proof your meals. 85% of the grass-fed beef you get in stores and online, it's imported from overseas. Even when it says product of USA, usually that is BS. 
Usually it's just minimally processed here, but it's cheap, cheap beef from overseas. You can shop Good Ranchers for all your beef, chicken, and seafood needs. They only sell 100% American meat from local farms and ranches. I eat Good Ranchers at this point probably two to three times a week. I love it so much. When I was a kid, steak was a really rare kind of special occasion experience. Well, Good Ranchers, the price is so low and you can lock in right now to make it inflation proof. You can, you can make steak a regular part of your family's dining experience. Right now, get your $30 discount on prime steaks and better than organic chicken today. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Good Ranchers takes the guesswork out of the grocery store, sends you top quality, 100% American meat to your door. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Get $30 in savings, goodranchers.com slash Knowles. New York wants these people that Florida wants to kick out. Uh, That's a win-win, I guess. Everybody's happy about that. But some of these perverts who want to talk to eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds, six-year-olds, five-year-olds, four-year-olds, and three-year-olds about sex without their parents' consent, some of these people are refusing to leave Florida. They are refusing to follow the law. They are going to indoctrinate your kids in whatever weird sex hangups they have, whether you like it or not. So because I've been getting this question a lot lately, I am going to use this space to answer it. And that is, as a preschool teacher, a drag king, and as a member of the LGBTQ community, how do I feel about the new legislations for like the Don't Say Gay Bill or the reporting of transgender kids? And while I don't see things like that too much in preschool... My opinion on it is that I don't care what the government tells me to do. I am going to do what I think is best for the health and safety. And that includes mental health and safety and emotional health and safety of my kids. I will never let any child come through my classroom feeling unloved or ashamed for who they are. A a drag king who is becoming emotional to the verge of tears because Governor DeSantis and the voters of Florida don't want her to talk about sex with preschoolers is lecturing the rest of us on mental health. Isn't that an amazing thing? Slight side note, I did not know drag kings existed. Somehow this is even weirder to me than drag queens. Drag queens have existed throughout all of history, men who put on dresses and put on shows. They're, they're sort of funny, right? They're certainly very eccentric. Drag king seems a little weirder because it's just a, a woman who's dressing up like a man, which is something that the feminists have been doing since at least the 70s. Even stranger somehow than some phenomenon like drag queen story hour. The point though is, is lawlessness. The point is we do not believe We, the radical leftist sexual revolutionary community, we do not believe that Ron DeSantis has any right to sign this law, that the voters of Florida have any right to elect representatives who are going to pass this law, and that parents have any right to determine what kind of creepy sex stuff their kids are being taught in the classroom, and we're going to do it anyway. I'm so glad that this lady made this video. Lock her up. Lock her up. If she does this, which she's promising to do, one, she shouldn't be teaching anyone anyway. She, need, she is a disturbed individual. She needs to go get help. She should be kept 100 yards away from any children. But beyond that, assuming that she's still going to remain in the classroom for now, arrest her. She's violating the law. Reminds me of, of Ronald Reagan. 
Ronald Reagan on a completely separate issue. He, he was faced with an air traffic controller strike and the air traffic controllers were a public union and they had no right to strike. It was illegal for them to strike. They struck because they didn't think the law was going to be enforced. And the law only has the, the force of its credibility, of the credibility of the people who are, are actually executing the laws. So the air traffic controllers thought they're never going to fire us. They're never going to actually enforce this. And Reagan walks up to the microphone and he says, well, if the air traffic controllers don't get back in 48 hours, they'll be terminated. And, and he was asked a question by the reporters. He said, don't you think some lesser action is, is more appropriate here? He said, what lesser action can there be? They're in violation of the law. Well, Nancy, that's it. And, and he did. And he actually made good on that threat. And that was a win for the rule of law. And that was a win for our Republican form of government. And that was a win for we the people for us, the people who, who, who form our government, at least in theory. So it's, it's very important if this Florida law that is going to prevent pervs from indoctrinating little tiny kids in sex and gives parents some right in their kids' education, if that's going to have any teeth, it has to be enforced. People need to be made an example of. And I can think of no better example than this lady who it's not as though she's some sympathetic figure who's upset because she was talking about a nuanced and academic issue with some older student, a 17-year-old, an 18-year-old. She's talking about queer stuff, spe specifically queer stuff, capital Q, trademark over the R, with preschoolers. Make an example of her. Don't just fire her. Prosecute her for violating this law. Speaking of crimes, spe speaking of gr crimes on children, the most horrifying news story I have ever seen in my entire life just popped up on live action and very few, if any, establishment media sources are talking about it because it's a politically inconvenient crime. I have lived through many wars all around the world have taken place in my lifetime, all sorts of terrible crimes, murders, and and serial killings and all sorts of things. This is by far, by far the most horrifying crime. Uh, there, there have been discovered the frozen remains of five aborted babies in Washington, D.C. And the, the part of the story that gets a little weird is they were found in the apartment of an anti-abortion activist. Now, it's not really weird when you figure out what's going on here. A whistleblower at an abortion clinic tipped off this anti-abortion activist. They have the evidence of these abortions, which are potentially illegal abortions in that the babies may have been born or partially born before they were killed, which would be in violation of federal law. But even if it's not technically in violation of the civil law, it's obviously a, it's a crime against humanity. It's a crime that cries out to God because these are these are babies. These are so undeniably babies who were, who are in, in expressions of extreme pain, who are totally recognizable like any newborn baby. And they were killed through abortion. Frankly, if it's not in, in violation of federal law, that's an even greater indictment of us. Uh, there are photos of this. There's evidence. I have blurred the photos for this show because, because you'll have nightmares. I would say if you are already pro-life, and you already oppose legal abortion, don't look up these pictures. Don't look them up because you'll have nightmares and there's no reason to. You already see the issue for what it is. If you are pro-choice, if you support legal abortion to any degree, look up the pictures. 
you can find them. There were just Google live action abortion, Washington, DC. You'll see they're kind of blurred out here. Look them up. If you, if you support abortion and you think, well, it's a complicated issue. I don't like abortion personally, but it should be legal. What, what, to whatever degree you support abortion, click the photos and tell me you support abortion. I, I don't think anyone but an absolute stone cold sociopath can look at these photos and tell me that they still support abortion. It's why it's so important the work that Live Action has done here. So important that the work that this anti-abortion activist has done here. And the response of the government tells you everything you need to know about this evil institution and the, the extremely corrupt people who are covering up for it. This anti-abortion activist, Lauren Handy, I believe her name is, uh, has been indicted. So she was the one, she's the anti-abortion activist, the pro-life activist who was discovered to have these frozen bodies in her home that she was apparently given by a whistleblower. She has been indicted along with eight others on federal felony conspiracy charges. What are the charges? She's accused of blocking access to a DC abortion clinic in October of 2020. This blockade was broadcast on Facebook, and now she's up on federal charges. I'm sure she will now have new charges added to the list because of her storage of these bodies. Do you know who's not going to have any charges brought against them? Do you know who's not going to be held in any way responsible for these crimes that cry out to God? These, the, the, the absolute slaughter of children who have pained expressions on their face, frozen from this moment. Do you know who's not going to have any consequences? The people who did it. That's, that's who. The, the person who blew the whistle on it, the people who exposed these crimes to the world, they're probably going to send her behind bars for a long time. The people who committed these crimes, outright infanticide, nothing is going to happen to them at all. Take a listen to the executive assistant chief of police in Washington, D.C. This handy has uh, been indicted on in a federal investigation uh, led by the FBI that MPD was not a part of. Um, so that's number one. The, the second piece is that we were led to that uh, house that you mentioned. Uh, we did recover items that were, these are preliminary results. OCME uh, looked at, took a look at those items. They are have been confirmed as fetuses. Um, what we're seeing now is they those fetuses were aborted in accordance with DC law. So we are not investigating this incident along those lines. Doesn't speak anything criminal in nature right now about that except for how they got into this house. And so we'll continue to look at that. They were aborted. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let me rewind. These items that were found were fetuses. The, so the people, the little babies who were killed, they're, they're items. They're just objects. And it turns out the objects are fetuses, which is the, uh, the Latin word for baby but we have to use the word fetus so that we can dehumanize the babies. And the, and the babies were killed. They were killed with these pained expressions on their faces in accordance with DC law. So there's no crime there. Nothing's being investigated. The only crime is how they got to the house, according to our authorities. I love America. I believe in America, to quote the first line of the Godfather. Very hard. It's very hard to love America when you hear that kind of stuff. It's very hard. When you think about all the awful regimes in the world, there are lots of terrible regimes. We, 
we never stop, or our ruling class never stops talking about all the evil regimes around the world. And then you listen to one of our public authorities say that the five babies that we are looking at, we can look them right in their eyes, in their cold eyes. We can look at what happened to them and say, there was no crime here. Totally in accordance with the law. The only crime was that this was exposed. If the babies are just items that were discovered in a home, what's the big deal? They're just, I I have items in my home. You probably have items in your home, don't you? We all have items. Items, not a big deal. It's a big deal. And they're investigating the woman who had, had the bodies in their homes because they're bodies, because they're human beings who were, who, whose dead bodies were being treated in this unusual way. That's why it's a big deal. But the, the criminals, the killers who killed the babies, they're not being prosecuted or even investigated because they're not bodies. They're just, they're just items. They're trying to have both sides of this. And they're trying to have both sides to, to attack the good guys, to persecute the good guys who are exposing the crime and to cover up for the killers. It's very hard. I still love my country. I still love America, but it's really hard to do that when you consider that America kills upwards of a million babies a year and speaks of it in such callous terms. And when you see the reality of it, when you can look the the babies right in the eye and these psychos who run our country say, no crime here. They they won't perform an autopsy. They can't perform an autopsy because to perform an autopsy would be to admit that these are babies. They're not going to perform an autopsy because by the way, what, what the assistant police chief just said here very likely isn't true. The babies may very well have been killed in violation of federal law. Partial birth abortions are, an, are a violation of federal law. And there's a lot of evidence that that's how they were killed. But nope, cover up, nothing to see here. Move along, move along, move along. Sick, sick. And it's spreading. There's a law that was just passed in Colorado. Legalizes, legalizes abortion through all nine months of pregnancy. You can be 30 seconds away from birth. In the process of giving birth, you can choose to kill your baby in Colorado. So says Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Uh, this, uh, this law defines abortion as a right, and it goes even further than just permitting abortion up until the moment of birth. This law in Colorado may very well force medical professionals to, to be involved in abortions against their will. There's no religious exemption. There's no moral exemption to this. If you are a Christian, Jew, Muslim, if you're, if you're just a regular, ordinary, agnostic person with a conscience, according to this law, you very likely can't even opt out of performing an abortion. Zero conscience protections at all. Sick stuff. I think this is one of the reasons that when we talk about regimes overseas, when we talk about all the awful tin pot dictators all around the world, when, when some of our ruling class tries to get people riled up for more regime change wars, the kind of regime change wars we saw under George W. Bush or we saw under Barack Obama. I think part of the reason that we, we can't get excited about that anymore is because our own ruling class is so hideously corrupt, so hideously psychopathically, when you talk about stuff like this, evil, so evil, that it's, it's hard for us to summon the moral indignation. That wasn't always true in America. We used to feel that we had the moral high ground, and we relatively did have the moral high ground around the world, and we don't now. And if we want to gain that back, if we want to have any kind of, beyond even the issue of abortion, 
you want to get your national mojo back, then stop doing the most evil things you can possibly do and stop in, enshrining it in law and just call it for what it is. We, uh, there are a lot of squishes who want us to just cool down the rhetoric, okay? We've, no, this is just evil stuff. These people are the spawn of Satan. These are children of hell who are running Colorado right now, who are running Washington, D.C., and they ought to be utterly removed from power, and they should spend the rest of their lives in jail. They should be prosecuted for what they're doing. Certainly, the killers should be prosecuted in this case, and they won't. They're going to be the most protected people on earth. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. No wonder no wonder Americans think the country is going in the wrong direction. Does it have to do with gas prices? Yes, it actually does. It has a lot to do with gas. Does it have to do with inflation? Yes, it does. Does it have to do with the embarrassment that Americans feel because our president is incompetent and his brain is made of pudding? Yes, but it also has to do with the genuinely evil stuff that is going on in this country and that is getting worse in this country. It has something to do with that too, okay? You can't, you can't live in a country where you have lots of evil things going on and lots of evil things getting worse and a ruling class that is openly encouraging it and have that country feel really good about itself. It's just not possible. No matter how many lies you tell, no matter how many politically correct euphemisms you use, no matter how many times you insist, no, it's a clump of cells. Look at the pictures. Tell me that's a clump of cells. Look at the pictures if you're going to use that phrase. You can't do it. You can't. Reality reasserts itself in the end, okay? And, And you can't. We've talked about this on another issue, on transgenderism. We've talked about this on so many aspects of the left's political agenda. You can't live in fantasy forever, okay? Reality is going to come come nagging back at you, come poking back at you, and you're not going to be able to suppress your conscience forever. There is some good news. There is some good news in politics. It's not all doom and gloom. It's not all bad. Hope springs eternal in the human breast. And there is, on a completely separate issue, some really great news. One of the the biggest challenges in America today is that we are a a republic, at least we're supposed to be. That means self-government. That means that we govern ourselves by persuading one another, by debating, by speaking to one another. and, And we do that in the public square. Now, we no longer really have physical public squares. We have digital public squares because we live in the internet age. So that means that when big tech platforms, which control the entire flow of internet, uh, entire flow of information around the internet, when they shut people out, when they censor certain topics, when they censor certain points of view, when they ban, for instance, the duly elected sitting president of the United States, that uh, is, is a major threat to our democracy, to our republic, to the whole form of government. Well, someone is doing something about that right now. Elon Musk, one of the most delightfully eccentric billionaires in the world has had enough. He, he sent out a Twitter poll the other day. He said, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Yes or no? And he said, be careful how you answer. <laughs> the consequences of this poll will be important. Please vote carefully. So the majority of people believed that Twitter is not protecting free speech. They believe that free speech is very important to democracy. And so Elon Musk has bought 9.2% of Twitter. He is now the largest stakeholder in Twitter, and he intends to turn that company around. I'm very excited to announce today the release of Andrew Clavin's latest book, The Truth and Beauty. After years studying the Gospels and trying to find the true meaning of Jesus's words, 
Drew is ready to share what he has found. It's for anyone who's seeking to find renewed meaning in their faith or maybe striving for belief in a materialistic world. I, I really love this book. I read it months ago. I got an advanced copy from Drew, and I, but I'd been bugging him to read this book ever since he told me about it. It's such a weird book. It's part memoir. It's, it's part uh, theological meditation, and it's part a, a writing about the romantic poets, this group of English poets from centuries ago. And it's, and it's written in that classic Drew way, which is just so straightforward, completely unpretentious. You've got some of the most profound ideas that, that could be understood by a third grader. C.S. Lewis has this gift too, and Drew certainly has it. So head on over to Amazon, wherever you buy books, order your copy of The Truth and Beauty today. We'll be right back with a lot more. Elon Musk now owns 9.2% of Twitter. To put that in perspective, Jack Dorsey, the founder and former CEO of Twitter, owns 2.25%. So so Elon Musk owns almost four times the, the amount of Twitter that Jack Dorsey owns. As a result of this purchase, Twitter shares surged 26% in pre-market trading. Uh, the, the stake that Elon has is about $2.89 billion. And what does this actually mean? Does this mean that Elon Musk is going to make a lot of money on Twitter? I don't know. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. He's a smart investor, so I suppose he'll probably make money. But I suspect this isn't primarily about money. This is about Elon Musk going in and throwing his weight around and saying, we are not going to let free speech die in America. This is so beautiful. And the, the context here, why is this happening right now? The, the Twitter annual meeting is May 25th. <laughs> so when you own, when you own over 9% of a company like Twitter, you can force the company to do certain things. Half of me wonders if the reason that Elon Musk bought all this Twitter stock is, is just to get the Babylon Bee's account back. <laughs> because the Babylon Bee, which Elon has appeared on before, made some joke about transgenderism and they were banned. And they said, you, you can get your account back if you delete the joke. The Babylon Bee dug in, said, we're not going to delete the joke. And then in comes Elon. <laughs> and, and you know it's real. You know that Twitter is freaking out right now because the CEO of Twitter, Prag Agrawal, just sent out a, a big announcement. He said, we're so excited to have Elon Musk on board. He's on the board of directors now and we couldn't be happier. Please don't fire me, Elon, please. And then Elon responds. He says, yes, I, we can't wait to make some changes over at Twitter. <laughs> it's just, it's just delicious. And the, the best part about it is something that has, that has bugged me. And I know it bugs a lot of other people in the conservative movement, which is that conservatives are pretty good at talking and pretty good at writing and even pretty good at raising money in nonprofit organizations. But we're, we're less good at doing stuff out in the actual marketplace, out in the actual political system. This is what Jeremy talked about when he launched the, the Razor Company. Jeremy came out and he said, conservatives are really good at whining and raising money and then losing and then whining some more and then raising some more money and having a whole apparatus of nonprofits that doesn't really do very much. Conservatives are good at that. But if we really believe that our ideas are winners, that they're vibrant, that they have strength, we ought to throw them right into the marketplace. We ought to actually try them out. We ought to throw our weight around. We ought to, we ought to do more than just write 
long journal articles. I love journal articles. I read them. I'm all about that scholarly academic life. It's great. But we have to do stuff in the real world too. And so Elon, rather than writing a 10,000 word essay about the importance of free speech, he just th- threw $2 billion around and now he's going to do it. And we can, we can debate the philosophy of that a little bit later. We can debate the nuances of that a little later. But he's going to do it. And he's going to protect free speech for now, I strongly suspect. That's great stuff. Just do it. Learn from Nike. Take that Nike rule, conservatives. Just do it. And we'll, we'll figure it out. You, you want to make sure things are just and moral and right and prudent. But let's do some stuff. And we'll, we'll let the chips fall a little later. We, we can do both. Meanwhile, w- w- while we're winning on the business front, we've got we've to do a better job of winning on the political front as well. We are about to have a Supreme Court justice of the United States that is the farthest left justice ever in the history of the court, not just of the justices right now, though she will be the furthest left justice, but ever in all of history. This is a woman who praises the 1619 Project, which says America's rotten and evil from the beginning, and it's based on a false thesis that the American Revolution was fought to protect slavery. This is a woman who explicitly praises the founders of critical race theory, notably Derrick Bell. This is a woman who lets child rapists off the hook. This is because she takes the side of criminals and she doesn't take the side of victims. This is, this is a woman who is real, real radical. And according to the prominent libs, according to Whoopi Goldberg and the ladies on The View, the real reason Republicans oppose her is because she's a black woman. You know what? <laughs> let, let me shut up. Lest I start some new stuff. You know, this is the most ridiculous. Just say, I don't trust a black woman to do the job. Because I know that y'all didn't have these same issues with Amy Coney Barrett. You didn't ask those questions. You didn't have those problems. And when Amy Coney Barrett answered the same way that Judge Katani Brown did, when you asked her if you thought they were going to need more people on the Supreme Court, nobody seemed to have a problem with her answer. No. But so many of you have problems with, with Judge Brown. You know what? I know what this is. Yeah. We all know what it is. We know what it is. We recognize it. We're used to this. But you know what? You can't take away what this woman is and who she is and what she's done and how she got there. Whoopi knows. Whoopi, we all know, but especially Whoopi knows what this is about. This has nothing to do with Katanji Jackson's radical record. This has nothing to do with Katanji Jackson's judicial philosophy, which all conservatives have opposed for decades. No, no, no. This has everything to do with her race and her sex, but both together. It obviously doesn't have to do with her race apart because conservatives love Clarence Thomas. He's probably their favorite justice on the court. And it, it clearly doesn't have to do with her sex because conservatives just rallied and campaigned to get Amy Barrett onto the court. That was the last judge we got on during the Trump administration. But so Republicans are fine with the black people on the court and fine with women on the court, but, but it's black, black women. That's the problem. That's what we don't like, I guess, according to Whoopi Goldberg. She is right. I I wouldn't trust just any black woman on the court. I would not trust, uh, for instance, Whoopi Goldberg on the Supreme Court. I don't trust Ketanji Jackson on the Supreme Court, but it's quite clear. It's quite clear that 
the opposition to Ketanji Jackson has nothing to do with race or sex, as the Republicans have made very clear, and as is manifestly clear because of the current judges that conservatives put on the court. But it's all the libs have got. And it's, it's a lesson to conservatives, to the squishes, who are so, they are more than anything afraid of being called racist and to a lesser degree sexist. And so they will just cave all the time. You just saw this with Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, of course, is voting to confirm Ketanji Jackson. Ketanji Jackson, who has judicial philosophy issues, who has issues on her record, specifically issues on letting child rapists off the hook. Romney supports her and says, oh yes, she'll she'll be fine. She's great. I, I vote to support her nomination. Mitt Romney will, will not endorse Mike Lee, his fellow Utah senator and a good conservative, but he'll endorse Ketanji Jackson because Mitt Romney's job is to put Republicans in their place. That's his job. His job is not to support conservative policies. His job is not to promote a good, traditional, free American way of life. His job is to pretend to sort of kind of be a Republican and then put Republicans in their place and insinuate that Republicans are bigots and racist and thisist and thatist. And he's one of the good ones. He's one of the good ones. He's going to make that stand. What a maverick he is. But that's not it. No, no matter how hard the libs try, the Katanji Jackson confirmation process is not primarily about race and sex. Her nomination is about race and sex. That's what Joe Biden said. He said, I'm just going to pick a black woman. I'm going to take a dart, throw it at a dartboard full of black women, and I'm just going to pick one of them. That's all I care about. But the Republican opposition is not about that because her nomination is not historic. The libs are always trying to make the historic, this is historic. This moment in history is so important. Finally, a black woman on the court. Politico said that Politico tweeted out yesterday. This is a very mainstream publication. It's left wing, but it's very mainstream in DC. Katanji Brown Jackson will likely be confirmed as the first black Supreme Court justice by the end of the week. Here's how we expect it to go. The first black Supreme Court justice. Not only is Katanji Jackson not the first black Supreme Court justice, she's not the second black Supreme Court justice. We've had black Supreme Court justices for what, half a century now? This is, we, what about Thurgood Marshall? This Thur, Thurgood Marshall has totally been erased. It's not even as though we previously had black Supreme Court justices, but we haven't had one for a long time. We have one right now, and he's, pro, he's the most prominent member of the court. He's the senior most member of the court, and he's not even a liberal member of the court. He's a conservative member of the court, and he's probably the conservative's favorite. This, this article, just completely wrong. Politico then clarified it and said, for the record, this replaces an earlier tweet that stated that Katanji Brown Jackson could be the first black Supreme Court justice. It should have said the first black female Supreme Court justice. We apologize for the error. And that, this actually raised a question to me. Is Politico a biologist now? How does, how does Politico know that Katanji Jackson is a woman? Katanji Jackson doesn't even know if she's a woman. And Politico is going to assume her gender. And furthermore, Politico is going to assume the gender of Thurgood Marshall and Clarence Thomas. How do you know that Clarence Thomas isn't a dainty woman? You don't know that, Politico. How dare you be so presumptuous? So the, the issues with Katanji's, uh, by the way, this is a slight point. I'm not going to refer to her as Katanji Brown Jackson, just like I'm not going to refer to Amy Barrett as Amy Coney Barrett. 
Just like I'm not going to refer to Ruth Ginsburg as Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You get two names. Get over yourself. You get two names. You get a first name and a last name. Your Christian name and your family name, but you don't get three. You're not, I don't like that. It's, if, I don't, it just rubs me the wrong way. I don't, it, this might just be an emotional reaction, but I don't, it's, it sounds pretentious to me. Katanji Jackson. That's, and and I, if I were in the United States Senate right now, I would not vote for her. Not because of her race and sex, but because of her record. We focused a lot when we talk about Judge Jackson's record on her extraordinarily low sentencing record for child pornography offenders. And some people have come to her defense on that. They say, look, uh, yes, obviously it's very, very bad to look at child pornography. Uh, it's very, very bad to distribute child pornography. It's an abuse of children. It's sexual abuse images. Uh, but... In Katanji's defense, some of the perpetrators, they were young. One of the defenses that Katanji made was that an 18-year-old who was looking at a ton of kiddie porn of, of kids who were eight years old, that they were peers. You know, eight, 18, what's the difference? A freshman in college and a third grader, what's the difference? But okay, there are, there are, are actually some libertarians on the right who say that uh, child pornography should not be prosecuted to a great degree, uh, that you know, the images already exist. And then conservatives will come back and say, well, actually, if you look at the images, it's feeding the market and it increases the abuse. But okay, it's not just the child. It's not even just the child porn that Katanji has a bad record on. Judge Jackson has apparently also got a very weak sentencing record on actual child rapists. So Katanji Jackson, we've got the article right here. It's in the New York Post, uh, had a, a convicted child rapist come before her court. And he was in violation of, uh, of some of his sentencing previously for this child rape. This is a guy who raped his 13-year-old cousin, I believe it was. Cousin or niece or something like that. The prosecutor in that case, Ari Redboard, said, this is not a butt grab, a misdemeanor kind of case. This is not consensual sex between a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old. This is an individual who, at trial, was convicted of essentially violently raping a 13-year-old child. So we're talking about a bad dude. And uh, Judge Jackson sentenced him for violating the conditions of his sentencing, his previous sentencing for the, for the rape, to 12 months with credit for time served according to the transcript. Much, much lower than the guidelines would suggest. Much, much lower than the prosecutor was asking for. This is, not e this is no longer even just an 18-year-old who fell down a bad rabbit hole on the internet. We're talking about a guy who's really done this in real physical life. Again, is this because Katanji Jackson is a pedophile? I don't think so. Is this because Katanji Jackson has some strange sexual hang-up with kids? I don't think so. The left, the left broadly does seem to have a weird sexual hangup with kids these days, as we see it with, with the left wing in Florida right now and the reaction to the parental rights and education bill. But what I think this is about is, is something even, frankly, even more disturbing. This is about a radical political ideology that will always 100% take the side of the criminals and the perpetrators to the complete neglect of the victims. This is a complete disordering of justice in America. And the woman who's pushing it is going to be the next Supreme Court justice in the United States. And she's going to do so with the guffaws and the seal claps and the applause of the squishes like Mitt Romney. Absolutely pathetic. The child rape sentencing is, is 
not the end of the radicalism that we've seen from Katanji Jackson. Yes, she's weak on kiddie porn. Yes, she's weak on actual child rape. She also, just within the last couple of years, tried to empty out the jails in DC, tried to just completely empty them out. And as her excuse, she used COVID. Katanji Jackson said that in the early days of the pandemic, it would be reasonable, quote, reasonable to release each and every person in Washington, D.C. jails. And then she went on to grant COVID-related releases to defendants and inmates who were implicated in very serious crimes. Now, the problem with this too, just to put a little button on the child rapist story, is when Katanji Jackson let this child rapist off the hook with a much lighter sentence than people were asking for, what do you think he did? Do you think he went out and became an upstanding member of society and turned his life around? No, he assaulted another woman. He went out and he assaulted his sister-in-law. He sexually assaulted her, tried to rape her. She initially was bringing charges. Then she didn't, the, the woman ended up wanting to pass on that because it, apparently it was very painful for her family. But the guy went out and offended again. While he should have been in jail if Katanji Jackson hadn't let him off the hook. Then she wanted to bring that same philosophy to every inmate in Washington, D.C. And we're not talking about people who got, got thrown in the clink for parking tickets. We're talking about pretty serious crimes here. She said, quote, the obvious increased risk of harm that the COVID-19 pandemic poses to individuals who have been detained in the district's correctional facilities reasonably suggests that each and every criminal defendant who's currently in DC DOC custody and who thus cannot take independent measures to control their own hygiene and distance themselves from others should be released. Each and every. We've never seen anything like that. We're also coincidentally experiencing a major crime spike throughout the country. Violent crime, murders, shootings, rapes, way up through the roof all over the place. And, and they're way up, not because of some random turn of the weather and the wheel of fortune, but because of specific Democrat policies, notably letting the criminals out of prison. Some Republicans have supported this too. They've supported jailbreak bills as well, but it's being led by Democrats who want to abolish the police, who want to defund the police, who want to abolish prisons. Prominent DC members of the House of Representatives, Democrats in Congress are calling to abolish federal prisons. Rashida Tlaib, the George Harrison of the squad is calling to abolish, abolish, just totally get rid of federal prisons within 10 years. And there are others who are supporting her in that effort. Well, what's the consequence? Turns out when you let the criminals out of prison, things don't get better. What the left believes is that the criminals are only in, in prison. They only commit crimes because society made them do it. Society failed them. They didn't get enough hugs. And so now they're committing all these crimes. And if you just let them out and you give them a stern talking to, if that, then they're going to stop committing crimes. And they don't. They commit more crimes and our country falls to ash. And it gets worse and worse and worse until finally people have enough and they vote in Republicans who throw the criminals in prison. And then we get a period of some good years. You see the cycle play out in New York. Yet crime and mayhem and destruction and a terrible experience, 70s, 1980s. Then you get a Giuliani. Giuliani cleans it up, throws the prisoners in the clink. This isn't brain surgery. This isn't rocket science. And then things get much better. And Bloomberg kind of maintains that. And then the libs get some power back again. People get sick of all that peace and prosperity. They let the criminals out and you, you rinse and repeat. You do the same cycle. Right now in Chicago, crime is through the roof. The place is like a failed Middle Eastern state. Turns out 57% of Chicagoans who are arrested for carjacking are minors. 
57, more than half the carjackings in Chicago are being committed by teenagers or children. That's how messed up that city is. And when asked to explain what's going on, the mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot says, it's just because the children don't feel loved. There are too many young people in this room who do not feel loved. Too many. And we've got to change that around if we're going to change around the trajectory of their lives. The mayor says we cannot arrest ourselves out of public safety problems. We cannot, we cannot arrest ourselves out of crime. I think we can. I, I'm pretty sure not... <laughs> In politics, lots of issues are kind of confusing and nuanced, but this issue is pretty straightforward. If you arrest the criminals, you don't get crime. That's how you, that's, that is the only way to fix it, actually. Well, but what about the children who don't feel loved? You're right. She's actually right on that point. Part of the reason that kids go into crime, part of it is that it's a fallen world and it's an imperfect world and you're never on this earth going to perfect human nature. But you can make it better and you can make it worse. And part of the reason that you're seeing an increase in crime is because kids are not loved. So fix that. You know, you know what's not going to fix that? Encouraging the dissolution of families. Uh, encouraging single motherhood. D- destroying the very definition of the family. Uh, sending kids to failing schools where they're not going to get an education. Discouraging the teaching of ethics and morality in schools, which is now all but against the law teaching actual morality, actual ethics in schools, that's not permitted. The one book you're not allowed to teach in school is the Bible. You're allowed to teach any craziness you want. You can teach Ibram Kendi, you can teach critical race theory, transgenderism, you can teach Mein Kampf for goodness sakes. You can't teach the Bible. That would seem to be a problem. Uh, We kill 800,000 babies a year. That doesn't make children feel very loved. Lori Lightfoot supports all that crap. So that's, I'm not even denying her premise entirely. Look, you got to arrest the people committing the crimes. That's an act of love to them. If you allow criminals, derelicts, bums to just live on the street and commit crimes, that's not an act of love. That's an act of neglect. That's not helping them at all. They're going to further harm themselves, body and soul. They're going to further harm society. They're going to further mess up their lives. It's an act of love to correct them. We call it the correctional facilities. It's an act of love to correct them for the society and for them as well. And then when we're talking about how to form kids into not committing carjackings in Chicago, whatever, whatever they're doing in Chicago right now, whatever the Democrat politicians are doing there, obviously it's not working. Maybe we ought to try the opposite. Maybe instead of talking to five-year-olds about how they should chop off their body parts and take cross-sex hormones, maybe we ought to teach them, well, one, reading, writing, and arithmetic so they can become productive, accomplished members of society and pursue excellence. And maybe we ought to teach them basic ethics and morality, the difference between true and false and right and wrong and good and evil. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if they would do that in Chicago? Can you, uh, it's, it's actually hard to imagine right now. So far gone is that city. So far gone is the left. Maybe they ought to take, rather than condemning places like Florida and more conservative states, maybe they ought to take notes. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. 
Executive Producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising Producer, Mathis Glover. Production Manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate Producer, Justine Turley. Audio Mixer, Mike Coromina. And Hair and Makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Walsh Show, New York City attempts to lure all of the groomers who are upset about Florida's anti-grooming law. Meanwhile, the sexual indoctrinators in the public school system continue to out themselves in droves, another benefit of the Florida law. Also, D.C. authorities continue to refuse to investigate the murder of five fully developed infants in the city. And you heard about corn pop. Now Biden has a story to share about Big Mama. Plus, Oreos go woke. And at our daily cancellation, Madonna has apparently turned into some kind of lizard. But it's better than looking old, she thinks. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.